Why is seminary so expensive? At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, we are committed to the reform of theological education toward meeting the needs of churches across the globe. Men of God cannot serve their churches well if they are burdened with tens of thousands of dollars in student loans from seminary. At CBTS, you can receive a robust theological education for nearly four times less than other institutions. To find out more about how you can receive an accredited theological degree at a cost that you can afford, visit cbtseminary.org. Welcome to another episode of the Pastor's Inbox on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Over the next several episodes, we're going to be talking about the worship of God whenever the saints of God come together. And so in this introductory episode, we're going to be discussing the regulative principle of worship. Perhaps some of our listeners are very familiar with what the regulative principle of worship is. Um, Perhaps some of our listeners are brand new to this uh, topic or this doctrine. So we'll just kick off our conversation on uh, worship and this series on worship by asking our first question, uh, and we'll direct this to Brother Lee. Brother, what is the regulative principle of worship? Well, simply put, it means worshiping God according to his word, and only but all that uh, he has ordered to be done. Therefore, it's God's word that regulates what we do in worship, or to put it another way, uh, somebody's will is going to be done when we gather to worship. Well, whose will should it be? Obviously not ours, God's. Uh, we find this in paragraph one of chapter 22 of the 1689. Uh, the acceptable way of worshiping the true God is instituted by himself and so limited by his own revealed will that he may not be worshiped according to the imagination and devices of men nor the suggestions of Satan under any visible representations or any other way not prescribed in the Holy Scriptures. And really as such, this is just the outworking of sola scriptura and the sufficiency of Scripture. We believe that Scripture is to direct our steps in all of life. Well, that surely would include worship and especially corporate worship. And we also would say that Scripture is sufficient to direct us uh, in that. That would be at least a quick thumbnail definition that I would give. Joe, you want to add anything to that? Brother, all I want to add is amen. (laughs) Keep going. That works well. So uh, Brother Lee has given us an answer to the question, what is the regulative principle of worship? And so um, you've quoted chapter 22, paragraph 1 of the 1689. But uh, where do we find the regulative principle of worship in the Bible? Well, I'm happy to take that again. We could appeal to a number of cases in the Old Testament where uh, God showed disapproval even uh, at that which was brought that was not in keeping with his word. You've got Nadab and Abihu there in Leviticus 10, and they were kind of overwhelmed with emotion, it seems, Uh, when God's glory was revealed, and they died when they took in strange offering, I mean, strange fire, rather, and offered it 
before God. It was not what he had commanded. Now, we've no indication that these guys were in some drunken fit or that uh, they were blasphemers or somehow engaged in idolatry. It, it seems like it, it was just great enthusiasm caught up in the moment, as it were. Mm -hmm. And uh, they brought what was not commanded. God did not accept it, but rather uh, he went on to say that he will be regarded as holy by those who would approach him. In another case is Uzzah. You recall that he was struck down for steadying the ark. It was being carried on a on a new cart, at least it was a new cart, uh, but that's not what God had commanded. Later, David says that Uzzah was struck down uh, because we didn't do what God had said about the ark being carried on the shoulders of the Levites. Or uh, then you've got Uzziah, King Uzziah, and how he uh, uh, thought to take and burn incense in the temple. Well, uh, God smote him with, with leprosy. He was a leper the rest of his days. So all of these show, whoa, it, it, this is important to take God at his word, to, to follow his directives in worship. But really, a, a clear statement of the principle is in Deuteronomy 12, uh, 31 and 32, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. That is how these other nations had worship for every abomination of the Lord, which he hates, they have done to their gods. He specifies a, a matter in particular, but then says, whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor take away from it. And again, as our own confession says, in no other way than prescribed uh, by God's, God himself, by his word. And, and it's interesting. He's not simply saying, don't, don't do these things that they do to their false gods, but rather he says, whatever I command you, you can do all of that, but you only do that. You don't add, you don't take away. So there is uh, the regulative principle in a clear statement. However, these instances I've referred to are obviously Old Testament. But the regulative principle is not simply Old Testament. We see it in the new. I mean, even the words of our Lord Jesus in uh, John 4, 24, when he says that those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. And whatever you want to do with the word spirit and truth, it goes to show God's not to be worshiped in just any way, but rather it must be his way. It must be in spirit and in truth, or you know, that ending of 1 Corinthians 14, when Paul concludes by saying, let all things be done decently and in order. Well, that is talking about public worship, that whole chapter is. And he doesn't just say in some general way, well, just so long as things are kind of orderly, we're good. No, because the whole chapter, it deals with directives about public worship. In fact, he refers to them as commands in verse 37 of 1 Corinthians 14, and it takes in the specifics. Now, it seems that there was no lack of enthusiasm and emotion there in Corinth, but, but it was something of a spiritual free-for-all that they were engaged in. And therefore, God gave them instruction through Paul to regulate mm -hmm. their worship. That is to say, the regulative principle, God telling them what's to be done and how to do it. We see it actually earlier in 1 Corinthians as well, because when Paul's writing about the Lord's Supper, uh, well, that is also an act of worship. And as you perhaps are aware, Paul was writing to correct their abuses. In fact, their, their abuse of uh, the so-called supper was such that Paul says in verse 20, and whatever you're doing, it's not the Lord's Supper. 
Uh, you've so degenerated it down to something else. And of course, he talks about how God took this seriously. For this reason, many are, uh, are weak. Uh, some sleep. It seems some had, had died. So uh, through Paul, God gave directives, directives concerning specifics in this act of worship, the Lord's Supper, in order to regulate that. Uh, we could also appeal to 1 Timothy 3, uh, 14 and 15. That actually comes at the end of a section uh, that began in chapter 2, verse 1, where Paul's talking about corporate prayer to begin with. He's talking about the role of women. He's talking about uh, then the officers uh, and the qualifications. And he says, I'm hoping to come to you uh, soon, but if I'm delayed, I'm writing all this now so you might know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Well, that would include public worship. And Paul's saying, here are details, not just with regard to Timothy's personal conduct, but for the church as a whole on how they're to conduct themselves. And again, it would include what they do, for instance, in their prayer meetings, their corporate gatherings. They're not just to conduct themselves in any way. It's in God's way. It's the house of God, church of the living God, pillar and ground of the truth. And so we could appeal to logic. Okay, whose will is to determine what we do in worship? What well, must be God's will? But even beyond just the logic of it, we've got these clear statements in both Old Testament and New Testament. And so there would be at least in a quick thumbnail. If you want something better on it, read uh, Pastor Sam Waldron's work on the regulative principle. But that's a, a quick thumbnail sketch of biblical warrant for this view. Brother, I, I again say amen to everything you said. I so appreciate how you not only have shown that it is a part of uh, our confession, uh, the regular principle, but that it comes from the scriptures also in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I appreciate the plug for my uh, fellow elder Sam Waldron's uh, book, excellent <laughs> book on the subject also. You know, uh, it's so important that we realize how important the regulative principle is to God. Um, I've always, I don't know how you feel about this, Brother Lee, but I've always felt sorry for Uzzah when I read that story because uh, uh, the only indication that I have there is that the oxen stumbled who were carrying the ark on this new cart. And perhaps all he had in his mind to do was to save the ark from splintering into a million pieces or something. But the thing is, he disobeyed that which God had regulated and it cost him his life. I feel real sorry about that. But the lesson we have to take from that is worship is serious business. Uh, the worship of the true God is truly serious business. And, and even uh, King Uzziah, whom you mentioned, I had not thought about him until uh, you, you bring him up. Um, he wasn't a bad king. Uh, I think he did some, some great things. Uh, there, probably a lot of it at the suggestion of the prophet Isaiah. But uh, uh, he got so overcome, perhaps just with zeal. Maybe he, he loved God. He wanted to worship God. And he thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in here where only the priests are allowed to go and made him a leper for the rest of his days. It doesn't matter. Zeal is a great thing. And care for the worship of God is a great thing. But knowing what God's word says is the best thing. And therefore, we must regulate our worship thereby. So thank you for pointing that out, brother. Amen. Amen. Yes. 
Uh, so we now we've considered what the regulative pr principle of worship is. We've considered where we need to find or where we do find the regulative principle in the Bible. Uh, but our third question for this conversation is how does this practice uh, or how does this work out in practice? How does the regulative principle work out in practice? Well, I would be happy to take that up at least briefly. And I would simply say that it, it will require a scriptural prescription or precedent or, or at the very least warrant for what we do in corporate worship. It's right to ask that question from Isaiah 112, who has required this from your hand? Mm -hmm. That which we're bringing to God, is it what God actually wants? Uh, I, let me hasten to say, there might be a different understanding, uh, different applications of what scripture prescribes. Uh, I think it was one of my first conversations with uh, Ted Donnelly, and if the listeners are not familiar with Ted Donnelly or known as Pastor Edward Donnelly, let me uh, wholeheartedly commend his preaching. You can find it on Sermon Audio, again, as Edward Donnelly. Uh, but uh, he's a Reformed Presbyterian, and they would be exclusive psalmody and non-instrumental. And and uh, he was speaking at a, a Reformed Baptist family conference. And, and as we were talking, he said that we are both equally committed to the regulative principle. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just have different applications of it. And of course it shows our brother's humility and, and uh, uh, kindness to, uh, you know, just uh, let's, let's not fall into scrapping. That's not his disposition, such a dear brother. But, mm -hmm. but it, 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 what he said is right. If I might illustrate it this way, you might have somebody uh, that they would look to the old Testament choir and think, well, that's a precedent for something we can do now, because it's there in, in Scripture. Well, I would disagree. Um, I think Reformed Baptists would typically disagree. We would understand that in the Old Covenant was worship by proxy. They were the representatives of God's people. Well, uh, we are the choir. However, at least that brother who would have that position, he's, he's not just saying, I, I want choir because I really like a choir. I, I think this is just so helpful and wonderful. And no, it at least would be appealing to what does scripture say? So the point I'm just trying to illustrate is that we may have different understandings or different applications. But again, the big issue is what does scripture say that we are to do? Uh, who has required this from your hand? Is it what God actually wants? Uh, Brother Joe, you want to add anything to that? Uh, well, I, I I just have to agree that we... Uh, well, with your point uh, regarding our brother, uh, uh, Ted Donnelly, uh, I love what he had to say to you about we, well, we believe in the regular principle, but we have to allow for some uh, different applications. We have to be careful not to be so judgmental mm -hmm. that we condemn every church that doesn't do everything just like we do it. Uh, frankly, brother, I do love a choir. <laughs> I love good music. We don't have one. We don't have in our church. And I'm not sure that I would be opposed to what's called special music. I believe firmly that special music is uh, the whole congregation of God's people singing from their hearts with loud voices, making a joyful noise to the Lord. Yeah. There is no special music like that special music. But yeah. I wouldn't necessarily condemn at any time. I've been known to break out in song a time or two, even while I'm preaching. So uh, I, I just I just I was just wouldn't want to say to any brother who had a choir or 
you know, had some singing that wasn't all of the congregation. Now, if it's dominated, if it's a rock band over which you cannot even hear yourself think or sing, I can, I have no problem saying that's contrary to the regulative principle of worship. What I'm saying is I, I do think that we need to allow uh, for some differences in application and recognize that our brother who might differ with us a little bit uh, still believes in the regulative principle of scripture just as much as I do. Uh, I'll give you an illustration if, if I could. I hope I won't get in trouble for this, but uh, not long ago, a, a dear uh, family in our congregation had a baby. We do not practice uh, with regularity anything like uh, baby dedications, but they wanted us to take their newborn child and, and, and pray for it. And I sensed a little bit of skittish, skittishness among our eldership regarding doing this, but I encourage us, let's do this because prayer is certainly part of the regulative principle. And we certainly often pray corporately for the children of our assembly. So again, while some may not have been comfortable doing this, we had them bring their child up front during the time of corporate prayer. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. And, and pray specifically for the well-being, the health, but especially the salvation of that child. Some might think that's a... Um, a violation of the regular principle. I did not believe that it was uh, myself. Point being, let's be willing to allow a little bit of difference in some of the circumstances uh, without uh, straying from the elements of worship that are commanded in the word of God. Yeah. Now, feel free to differ, Brother Lee, if, if you want to rebut anything that I just said. Well, I'm refraining from calling you a, a heretic, but uh, no, no, my brother, I think that again, yeah, equal commitment is just, okay, what do we really understand scripture to teach in this regard? And if we can, with good conscience, say this is what God would have us do, then, then uh, yeah, I'm not ready to, uh, to uh, break fellowship, my dear brother. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Well, at the end of Pastor Joe's answer there, he uh, made a distinction that we're going to be making over and over again in this series about worship between mm -hmm. circumstances of worship and elements of worship. And so for this next question, we want to ask, what is included as an element of worship in the regulative principle? Uh, so Pastor Lee, do you want to start by taking this? Yes. Uh, well, I would. I can do no better than to quote our own confession, because in uh, chapter 22 on uh, religious worship and the Sabbath, uh, paragraphs four and five, uh, it begins by talking about prayer, and that's treated separately. But then uh, paragraph uh, five in chapter 22 says the reading of the scriptures, preaching and hearing the word of God, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, as also the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper are all parts of religious wor worship of God uh, to be performed in obedience to him with understanding, faith, reverence, and godly fear. And by the way, that's important in itself. It's not just mm -hmm. doing the right thing outwardly. How about the heart? And so yeah. again, understanding, faith, reverence, godly fear, moreover, solemn humiliation with fastings and thanksgivings, upon special occasions ought to be used in a holy and religious manner. Now, there is one 
element that's not there that's common uh, in uh, churches is a monetary offering like tithes, offerings, etc. Uh, now, where do we find that? Well, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, that funds were collected in or by the churches on the first day of the week. Uh, Philippians 4.18, Paul referred to that which the Philippians had had given as a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So there's, you know, uh, biblical precedent, at least, that uh, God is worshipped in that way. Uh, but it, it, other than that, here's what we have uh, spelled out for us. Again, the big issue is what does Scripture say we are to do? But if I can add a quick positive to that, you know, if somebody says, oh, it's so restrictive, you know, I really wanted to see a, a cannon going off in the middle of things. And if I just can't, well, hold on. The positive is this. If we're doing what God has commanded in his word, we can be assured this is what God wants. Amen. This is that worship with which God is well pleased. Well, we want that assurance. We don't want to bring in strange fire. We want what God wants. And therefore, where are we going to find that? Well, in his word. So that would be the regulative principle of worship. Joe, I throw this back to you. Brother, I'm going to say amen and uh, leave it there. Well, amen. This has been a helpful conversation on the regulative principle of worship and a good introductory episode on our series of worship. We want to encourage you to continue to submit your questions to pastors inbox at cbtseminary.org. Uh, I'll mention this just one time in our uh, batch of recordings uh, for this series that if you are a student of CBT Seminary, you can also submit your questions on this, uh, Facebook. The primary way that our listeners can submit their questions moving forward is CBT or pastor's inbox at cbtseminary.org. Thank you for listening to today's discussion. We hope it has been profitable to you. Grace and peace.